Discovery consists of seeing what everyone else has seen and thinking what nobody else has thought. This is Calibri Lab CEO and co-founder Cindy S. Green favorite quote. Cindy has spent most of her professional life uncovering and surfacing data, demystifying the cost of distribution and getting the hotel industry to think differently. Voted one of 25 extraordinary minds in sales and marketing by HSMEI, a member of the Hospitality Technology Hall of Fame and one of Cornell University's 19 most influential hoteliers, Cindy clearly knows what she's talking about. I'm excited to get her insights into the state of the industry, how hotels can make sense of the rapidly shifting economic landscape and her view on direct versus indirect distribution opportunities. Enjoy the show and don't forget our upcoming Ask Me Anything episode on December 17th. Send me your questions to unconstrained.ideas.com by December 10th and I promise I will answer them during our holiday specials. All right. Um, hello, uh, Cindy, to the Unconstrained Conversation, episode 32 um, today. It's been, uh, it's been great to, uh, <clears throat> to, uh, to see the evolution of um, Calibri Labs over the last um, few years, um, kind of observing from the sidelines. And I'm really excited to uh, have you on the podcast and on the show today to talk about a little bit of the, the state of the industry, kind of what you're seeing and what you're hearing from working with um, you know, thousands of hotels around the world. Um, and then we'll talk about uh, some of the things that you've been developing and working on, um, the importance of, I guess, data. I've had a few people on my, on my podcast over the last few months that talked about the increasing importance of data and how hotels are desperate to just get as one person put it, Isaac, actually, you know him well, Isaac Colazzo, he put it that uh, you need to get dirty with data um, to some extent. Um, and uh, I think that the gist of the conversation is about how do hotels do that and what are some of the new tools um, that uh, that you can see on the horizon or have already kind of put out there that hotels can use. So I'm really excited to have you on board. Thank you. Happy to be here. You're welcome. So tell me a little bit, how has it been going for the last few months? Well, we've been uh, especially busy with um, looking at the next few months. (laughs) So everyone is especially interested, not just in what's happening today, because every week and every month seems to have new, a new way of operating. And, you know, the world is changing so much. It's, there's no, uh, status quo, and we won't reach status quo for a few more years. So uh, it's always a new day and a new way of operating, you know, as each season has come uh, since COVID uh, came and and travel started up again. So we've been spending a lot of time in the last few months working on our uh, predictive forecast data, so mm-hmm. our forward-looking view to be able to inform uh, the market both for hotel operators, as well as uh, those on the development side and the transaction side of buying and selling hotels, they want to know what's going to, what it's going to look like for the next six months or year or two and a half years. So mm-hmm. we've, we've spent a couple of years building out our predictive modeling and, uh, and we released it uh, coincidentally as the, as COVID came in. So it's especially helpful now. Right, so so you're really dealing with two sets of stakeholders, right? On one hand, you have brands and hotel companies that uh, like to understand or want to understand um, profitability, distribution costs, um, and and how much money they're paying, uh, kind of profit profit contribution per guest. 
Um, and on the other hand, you, you have the real estate development world and finance world that is looking to your data to help them understand kind of where, sh where should they build hotels and how should or where should they buy hotels and, and what's the potential when they, when they do that from a development perspective, correct? Exactly. So we're helping any, anyone who evaluates and predicts revenue performance for hotels uh, can use our data. So whether they're evaluating and predicting in an underwriting model for real estate purposes, or they're evaluating and predicting in order to improve uh, hotel performance and flow through for an operating hotel, uh, our data can be used uh, in both scenarios very effectively. Right, right. So, so over the last few months, have you seen, as, as you know, I've talked to Isaac, I've talked to Calvin Anderson a couple of weeks back and, and a bunch of others, and the consistent theme has been people and hotels are looking for more data, more granular data, more insights. They really need to dig, dig into, into the data that they have much deeper now because everything has changed, as you said, and everything is, is, is so dynamic that it, it continues to change on an ongoing basis. Is that something that you've been seeing as well? Yes, I think that when we started Calibri Labs and we were building our database, which is the most granular data available in the industry, because we go down to transaction level. So we are aggregating and benchmarking rate category, channel, cost of acquisition, arrival and departure dates, um, lead time, length of stay. So it's loyalty contribution, and, you know, by even individual uh, travel agency location or corporate account. So we get pretty granular. But the thing that that it's not just more data, because I think everybody sometimes feels drowned in data. It's, it's that because of COVID, there are certain types of business that just the faucets got turned off. Mm -hmm. And you know, everyone knows uh, business travel and, and groups have stopped. And, you know, as long as this isn't a normal recovery, because we're, we're dealing with much more than economic factors, we have all the public health issues, you know, overlaid on that. So for for us, um, the the more data and the reason to dig into it is because depending on how much demand you have in your market that is dependent on the types of business that have stopped, that kind of determines how much you're missing and how much has to be filled and the pace at which you, your market may recover. So the need to understand at a rate category level, the nature and profile of demand in a market has become more critical than ever. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know corporate and how much group was your market getting. Most people couldn't tell you that before, and now they're much more uh, interested in knowing it because that's the gap that they're going to have to fill. That right. Uh, right. they have right. to between now and when that business starts to return. Yeah, and, and and not just that, they also have to fill it at the right cost of or cost of revenue or cost of sale, right? Um, which, which, which with margin management, as we call it, or profit management, being so critical right now for the industry, um, as many hotels are on the brink of you know, either paying or not paying their debt services every month. Um, understanding the cost of the revenue and cost of distribution, which I know you have been crusading about for for many many years, is is becoming even more important than in the past. Is that right? Yes. So the cost of acquisition, some people might say, well, it doesn't really matter because I'll take anything right now. <laughs> but the truth is that many consumers are, are channel agnostic. Not all of them, but many are. So the same consumer who might book through a third party might also book 
you know, a loyalty rate through a brand. And the difference is dramatic in terms of profit contribution. I mean, it's twice as profitable to get the business through direct channels. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people feel like, well, I have to be on every shelf. I have to go through, you know, make sure every channel is open and try to get as much as I can in every channel. But the truth is there, you can create bias and you can put your time and your funding into those direct channels uh, to the, to your advantage because the same customer may choose equally to come through brand.com as OTA. And of course, for the hotel, the, the, um, the flow through will be much greater if it comes direct. And for the guest, they may in fact also have a better experience if the hotel can, you know, as part of the loyalty program, give them some benefits and recognize their needs um, more effectively. Mm -hmm. So, so in your data, and I know you track that um, kind of quite, quite to a detailed level, have you seen the, a shift between direct and indirect? Um, um, and, and I know you might not have all the data ready, uh, but um, is, is that something that you're observing? There's a lot of conversation around that in, in the industry, right? Is this the time to shift between the indirect and direct? Um, there, yes, we do track it really mm -hmm. carefully, and um, and I can tell you that for um, you know through October, um, the direct business has been substantially larger. There has mm -hmm. been you know uh, um, significant growth in the direct channels um, through October year over year, and I think part of that may be because consumers feel a little more confident. They're not sure of the cleanliness protocols or the safety protocols. So I think there's a bias toward booking directly. And the other thing is that some of the brands have their uh, contactless apps, uh, you know, for contactless travel for like things like mobile check-in or keyless entry. So I think there's a bias to uh, book directly, but Uh, there's been, you know, a 20, more than 20% year over year growth in the direct versus the indirect. Oh, uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, from a personal perspective, having traveled a couple of times on leisure over the last few months, it's definitely true that um, a, a lot of people have, bur have, have gotten burned by booking through uh, third parties and then um, not getting any refunds or, or, or credits very quickly. Um, and then, and then obviously the health and safety um, information, um, you can only get that direct and, and often right now you have to actually call the hotel to find out what's going on at the hotel because it's changing every day. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's been definitely a tilt toward uh, direct and the cost of acquisition has actually on average gone down partially because the mix of business has shifted toward much more direct channels mm -hmm. and partially not even through brand.com, but a huge increase in property direct where people will call the hotel or, you know, walk in the hotel. But the other um, part of it is also um, there's the group business, which was very high cost and highly intermediated uh, is non-existent right now or not. Yeah, yeah. The group business that used to have commission associated with it has dropped off pretty dramatically just because of public health restrictions. So um, those two factors have um, improved the cost picture, but not for good reasons. I mean, we would like the full business, um, complement of full business to come back. Yeah, of course, of course. And, and, and in, in your opinion, do you think it's um, 
that shift to direct is that cyclical um, or is it is it structural and longer lasting? Um, do you think hotels will continue to benefit from that and, and continue to drive direct more efficiently than in the past? Or once the other segments come back, we're going to go back to the, the way it used to be? Um, I think that because this, unfortunately, the current um, COVID um, economic downturn that we're in is more, much more protracted than many other downturns that we've had over the last 20 or 30 years. I think there may be some behaviors that, that are changed um, mm -hmm. more long term. And I think that one of the things that surprised me, but it's it's in a good way, is the loyalty member rate business, um, you know, as part of since leisure is the dominant part of the of the business that's um, that's in the market right now. Um, for a while, it looked like loyalty member rate and OTA were kind of running neck and neck, but um, since Labor Day, it started to pick up and actually uh, supersede the OTA business. So that loyalty member rate, which even for independents and small chains, they have their direct booking programs. So it's not just for the big brands. That business has um, now exceeded as a percentage of demand share the OTA business. So oh. in some rate categories, it runs neck to neck. Rate category in the chain scales like luxury and upper upscale, there it isn't that way because they have such a large percentage of business. About uh, forty-five percent of their business is group and corporate, or it was in 2019. Mm -hmm. So for them to replace any of that, they're depending much more heavily, almost twice as much business through the OTA channel. So that is still a bigger part of their demand share. But across the overall U.S., taking um, all chain scales into account, loyalty member rate is uh, still outperforming OTA business as a percentage of demand share. Okay, well, that's great. Great, great insights. Um, so tell me a little bit more about this um, uh, predictive forecasting that you've launched um, earlier this year and uh, that you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, uh, both kind of for the developer side and for the hotel side. So how does that, how is that being utilized and how does that help hotels um, with the current environment that we're in? Yeah, so uh, because of the nature of the business being so dynamic and changing so much, um, you know, a lot of people have told us they're not even budgeting for 21, they're just forecasting monthly, and some of them are even forecasting twice a month. Yeah. So I think the approach to planning had to change because the market is changing so much. And... Um, We've done uh, predictive modeling. We do it at the hotel level, and then we roll that up to what we call submarket, which, uh, and then we can roll that up to market. So uh, we entered into a partnership with CBRE and worked with them for a couple of years, actually expanding the the traditional markets and submarkets that had been used in the industry. There used to be like 165 markets that most people relied on. We have 335. Um, there used to be 650 tracks or submarkets that people uh, worked with. We have 972. So for that reason, um, if people want to get a feel for the nature of demand in their market, and they don't want to just look at a comp set level, because many hotels are not competing with the same hotels they were competing with before. You know, in the absence of group and corporate business, there are many other hotels that are, are um, 
having to compete either up or down market because the demand is much diminished. So yeah. everybody is going for some of the same business, right. whereas before they never would have considered it. But the hotels with heavy group uh, component have to go after the other transient business in the market that they may not have worried about. Mm-hmm. So our predictive modeling is um, helping look um, at an individual hotel level within our Hummingbird platform, uh, individual hotels can look historically as well as into the future by month, by day, by rate category. It's very granular um, to be able to see what they can expect uh, from a forward view. And then for those that are doing budgeting and forecasting, they want to be able to see the overall picture of demand and the markets are just too big. I mean, imagine if you're in San Francisco and your hotel is in is at the airport, the the market forecast for San Francisco may not help you as much as having, you know, the picture of the submarket around the airport. Right. So as we have 972 submarkets, they become much more um, smaller geography that's more appropriate for the mark for the hotel to look at to understand the demand drivers. And then be able to compare their mix of business, we do this at the rate category level. So hotels can look at their mix of business and the mix of business in the market and make better judgments about what to expect. Right. right. So, so you, you mentioned a couple important things there. A, um, much more granular uh, capabilities to look at kind of the market that you're, you're in. San Francisco is a great example, right, with the airport sitting so far out of the city. Um, and the second one is kind of the, the, the change of markets, the, just the market in general. Your competitors either, you know, probably have changed or you're competing with a different set of, of hotels or just accommodation businesses than you used to because a luxury hotel might not selling, might, might be selling much lower and competing with you or if you're, if you're a mid-market hotel. Um, or an economy hotel might be full and they're selling, you know, further up to and, and, and encroaching into your category if you're sitting in the middle. So so definitely a completely changed competitive set and, and definitely incredibly important to look at uh, at a very granular level who you're competing with and what everyone else is doing. And to being able to do that at the market segment uh, segment level is, um, uh, is quite critical. Yeah, no, it's it's super helpful. And you know, for at for the individual hotel, because some of the types of business, you know, that were shut off are just starting to come back on. So to be able to see it as mm-hmm. it comes back on, and to, if the other hotels in the market, not just your known competitors, but many of the others, to understand what they're tapping into to see if it's a, it may be a good fit for you or not. So I think everyone had to kind of throw out the patterns that they thought they knew about their market and and understand that for a little while, um, we may not have business as usual and we have to, you know, just um, block out what we thought we knew and and just learn anew what is out there and and then watch it, you know, every week to see how things might be changing and what might be out there and who's getting it now that you might never have thought would be be a competitor. And then at the same time, you know, having to consider the fact that even though there's a, a lot of hope for the vaccine to be in the market by the end of the year, by the time it's in widespread use that might actually impact business travel, we probably still have another, you know, four to six months ahead of us before it's in widespread distribution well enough for a lot of the um, larger companies to start traveling. 
traveling and for the groups and meetings to to have those public health restrictions lifted. Right, right. Yeah, we, we, we're still kind of halfway through. Um, you're absolutely right, halfway through the, the, the marathon that we're in. Um, we're probably at the, at the um, 15 mile mark, not the 25 mile mark right now. And it's going to take a while to um, to get through and get more stable back into more stable environment. So if you're if you know a lot of people that who are listening are uh, corporate revenue managers or hotel revenue managers, um, and what I'm hearing kind of your 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 advice and your recommendations are, you know, get down to a very granular level. You know, I like the transaction level that you mentioned, which is always critical. Understand kind of who you're competing against at the market segment level or the very granular level, and then understand how your competitive has changed, competitive set has changed, and, and your market has changed, and who who are this, the segments or the guests out there that you're that you're able to attract. And hopefully you do all that uh, direct versus indirect to, to shift that balance kind of towards in your in the hotel's favor. Am I summarizing it uh, correctly? Yes. And I I wouldn't be afraid to, I wouldn't be passive about assuming that I have to sit back and take everything that comes. Mm-hmm. I would be very proactive about going after more of the direct business because it's already kind of favorably tilted toward the uh, hotels. So I wouldn't just sit back and sign up for every third party deal that's available. I would be much more inclined to uh, work with my, if you're in a brand, the loyalty member rate programs, try to dial those up. Um, If you are um, an independent or small chain having direct promotions, I mean, the consumers are looking to book direct right now and I would take Mm -hmm. advantage of it and get them into that habit and give them both recognition and reward for doing it that way. So I think there's um, a lot that can be done instead of thinking, well, I have to take anything that comes. Um, you don't. You can really put your time, energy, and funds into into moving that consumer into direct channels because it will pay off, especially when, you know, right now everyone's just trying to make debt service. They're, you know, struggling. Many hotels are struggling. Um, every booking, if you're looking at twice the profitability, it makes a very big difference, even if you're in, um, you know, a middle tier hotel, it could make a very big difference to the cash flow. Yeah, I think what you just mentioned is probably the hardest. Saying no to business at this point in time is probably the hardest somebody can do when they're sitting at, you know, 30, 40% or less occupancy, right? But you're absolutely right. Better take a, better take something that is higher, that has more profitability than, than, than taking too many things that are, in the end, might even end up costing you money. Um, or don't 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 have the margins attached to it like like other businesses. It isn't always so much saying no to the business. It's just creating bias. Like you're just mm-hmm. trying to put your time and energy into those direct channels and put. I'm not saying say no to business, but if you put your your effort, time, focus, um, and your funds into those direct channels, not that you turn off the third party channels, don't pay as much attention to them, right. you may get the same amount. You're not saying no to business. You're just going to move it to direct channels. So you may get exactly the same amount of business at higher profit margin. And it's just a matter of, you know, think about where you spend your time and where you spend your money. Yeah. And signing up for every promotion, thinking you're doing your hotel a favor, you know, think again about have I turned every stone for direct business? Have I done everything humanly possible 
whether it's spending on digital uh, media or working with my brand or uh, regional team to try to get, get more business into my destination, working with my destination or my CVB, anything you can do to get that business directly, that's where I would put my time and attention. So it's not mm -hmm. saying no, it's just a bias for that direct business. Yeah, good point. Uh, very good point. And, and, and Calvin, when I talked to him a couple of weeks back, he, he referred to it like a, it's like a Wall Street, Wall Street trading desk. So every morning they, they put their trading policies and strategies in place. And they, as you said, they don't leave any stone unturned or rock unturned to, to find, to find the business that they need at that point in time. So um, great, great suggestions. Um, any plans on traveling, Cindy, anytime soon? <laughs> Um, I don't have any plans to travel. Soon. I, I actually have an elderly father in his 90s to celebrate okay. his 90th birthday um, right after Thanksgiving. And I like to visit with him. And I've tried to be cautious to not uh, not bring anything in his world that might cause uh, some threat to his health. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where would you go first if you would travel uh, maybe next year? Well, there's a question of where I'd personally, or I mean, there's many uh, clients that I would love to go visit. Of um, course, to come to Dallas and Atlanta. I have, have um, kids in Austin and Los Angeles. So there are many places I would like to go. I'd love to go to Europe, mm. um, doing some work there. And I would like to go visit clients there, but obviously um, as soon as possible, I will go. But uh, at the moment, I'm not planning it quite yet. No, no. Well, hopefully, hopefully soon we'll be on the plane to Europe. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. That would be that would be yeah. fun. Well, great. That was a really uh, interesting conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I appreciate the insights, and um, I'll catch up with you maybe a couple of months down the down the road. So good luck with uh, the progress on Calibri Labs and um, everything that you're doing for the industry. Thank you, Klaus. Thanks for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you found this episode valuable for your own business circumstances. Check out the show notes linked to the episode, help more people in the industry find this podcast by sharing and rating, and don't forget to subscribe to the series wherever you listen to it.